0: Welcome to Cabin Minute Cast. The scenario has been chosen. The ritual has begun. We are ready to appease the old gods one minute at a time. It's Friday, and I'm still Heidi
1: Bennett, and I'm still <laughs> at HeidiBennett.com. <laughs> And I'm Molly Valen of LittleRedMark.com, and we are very excited to welcome back Harper W. Harris from The Thing Minute. Hello. Hello. Are Hello.
0: you, are you, uh,
1: one <laughs> limb, two <laughs> limbs? How
0: many limbs are we at here,
2: Harper? Uh, one. One limb. Oh, no, no. <laughs> no. He's down to one limb. <laughs> It's it's the one that I need to podcast, though, so you know, just,
0: <laughs> thank God.
2: For what I did.
0: Is it your husband bulge, limb? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's what I see. That's what I should have said. If I was the funnier person, I would have made a husband's bulge reference.
1: <laughs> oh, No so if harper if you don't mind i'd like to put you on the spot for a second Uh, we were talking a little bit off mic about uh, harper's new uh endeavor and i'm wondering if you would feel comfortable with sharing with everybody what movie you're working on
2: and that exciting thing you're doing right now oh sure sure um so I, i can't really say the name of the movie that i'm working on yet but um i am working on uh more or less my first feature film. So, um, outside of podcasting, I do professionally, I'm a freelance audio engineer, um, for film. So I do, um, mostly production audio, which is, you know, standing on set with a a whole bunch of gear strapped to me and, and, you know, holding the boom and, and recording people. And, uh, in this case, I'm just doing boom operating, so I don't have to worry about all the other stuff. I'm just holding up the microphone, which is a nice change of pace, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big step for me. I'm doing a, it's a longer, um, you know, a longer piece and something that I'll be working on for the next couple of weeks. So that's, it's been really exciting. It's been really fun so far. Awesome. Congratulations on,
1: on that. That's so exciting. Yeah.
2: That is way cool.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I think it's cool for folks to know that, you know, we're multi creative folks and, you know, to be able to let people know all the good stuff you're
2: doing. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. So we are on Friday and it is episode 18. And this is covering minute 18 of the Cabin in the woods. And in this minute we are dealing with a couple of folks who are flirting kind of poorly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is a continuation of the scene from uh, 16 and 17 and, uh, There has been an offer to switch rooms because there is uh, a weird two-way mirror pervert glass situation and uh, Holden is a gentleman and he is offered to switch rooms so he can be at the other end of that, of, of which Dana seems very relieved and accepts the offer. And uh, this is a pretty dialogue-heavy minute, and so there's a little bit of following in between the the two rooms, but uh, Dana thanks him for being very decent. And also, Holden kind of lets the cat out of the bag in that, quote, the least I could do since Curtain Jewels sold you to me for marriage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's some interesting language here. So in the, the very beginning of this film, we talked about how Uh, Sitterson and Hadley, like the way Hadley talks about his situation with his wife and her baby proofing, and he uses words like, you know, it's a nightmare and oh, this will curse us, you know, we'll probably never have a kid, it's just going to be cursed and stuff like that. And I kind of felt like this, this minute had a little bit of that too, because talking about, you know, being sold into marriage and, and then um, he further reveals that uh you know there was a bit of a internal debate and there there was fighting on both sides and that blood was spilled I just i don't usually really talk like that and it sounds <laughs> natural and yet it's definitely seems specific to the, the the themes of this movie what did what did you guys take from this minute
2: of, of the minutes that i i get to talk about this is definitely the most weeden minute i think <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, people in real life aren't this... Uh, well, it's funny because this minute is simultaneously witty and also really awkward. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> like, it's awkward... I don't know if it's awkwardly witty or wittily awkward, but yeah, there's definitely both sides of that here where, like, you know, his that whole thing like you mentioned where he says, uh, you know, there's an eternal struggle and blood was spilled on both sides. Like, nobody would ever say that, but uh, it also works as, like he's this smart guy who's trying, you know, he just did the right thing. And he's like, you know, maybe feels like he's got kind of a little bit of a connection with her because of that. And, you know, is maybe trying to be a little more, trying to be a little more clever than he really can muster. And so it just comes (laughs) out as this like really awkward, like, Oh, why would I say that? Um, (laughs) So yeah, it does, it it does work really well for the scene. And then obviously her, her response is even more awkward and like conversation ending. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah it it goes left pretty quick (laughs) i I think what i like here is that there's he's an honest guy and that you know she thanks him for being decent and his response is like well hey hey, let's let's not get carried away there because i really (laughs) authentically debated about just you know standing there and watching you undress you know like i did have the the debate inside of me and so i feel like in, in saying that, it's also creating a safe space of like, just so you know, like, I'm a real human being. I didn't, he didn't, he could have just taken the compliment and ran with it. But he's also a genuine human being to show that, yes, actually, there's the little, you know, the devil on the shoulder of, you know, I can have like a pervert moment, the better side won out, and I'm going to be honest about that. And so in doing that, and even showing that level of humanity, he creates this other layer of trust that he is actually a good guy, and he's very likable, and he's very, you know, understandable as a character.
2: Yeah, he's just, uh, you know, extremely honest to the maybe to a fault. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's another thing that
0: has nothing to do with this conversation, but just more about this, the room that she ends up in. And it's just a little thing I was going to mention because. It's of sort of the Buckner era, and we talked about some of the set dressing and earlier. And it's also because it's something that I'm very interested in and a fan of, which is there's a little box covered in shells, and it's something that they call shellcraft. Shellcraft could be all one word, or you can split it up into two, shell <laughs> and craft. But you get the idea, right? <laughs> that makes sense. and it's one of those charming kind of crafts that i'm really into and back in like the 1830s through 1890s there were these sailors valentines that were a little bit more intricate than what we're seeing here in this box but they were designed to be brought home from the voyage at sea and given to sailors loved ones and uh, they're quite beautiful. A lot of times they're octagonal and glass fronted. So it'd be like a hinged wooden box with. So it's like a real keepsake with all these beautiful designs made of sh- out of shells behind them. They can get really intricate. It was something that I zeroed in on because I, I love uh, folk art And have a bit of a collection at my home, and I even have a book called "Living with Folk Art" that I love. That my husband always (laughs) jokes at the title of it because it sounds like I'm—it's a disease or something. (laughs) Living with (laughs) With folk folk art, exactly. (laughs) I especially love stuff from um, Mexico, and but also rural kind of stuff. So it sort of fits in with this this idea of this this era and uh,
2: so it was a, a nice little detail i just wanted to to point out i never noticed it before but i haven't i have a new theory and and that is that this box is made up of all the puka shell necklaces of the cabin's victims
1: <laughs> <laughs> i love it oh my god that's awesome it's a trophy box <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah it could be a, like another way of calling to the merman too we've <laughs> got a little little preview a little hint to some merman-y goodness here with the the shells there's <laughs> a the thing I wanted to ask you guys about this so you know we talked a little bit in a previous minute about how things are a little bit skewed buckner wise like we're already getting a, a, t- a telegraph right that this that might be who ends up being our our baddies because we've already heard that this place is um was owned by the Buckners or is the old Buckner place the old Buckner plot but I was just kind of curious we so far with our group here our Scooby gang we know that they're kind of typical typical teens out for a a weekend, and then we know a little bit so far—not too much—but that there's something going on behind the scenes. That sort of, we're not even sure at this point. You know, at 18 minutes in, exactly what's going on, but it appears that you know they're being watched, and that there's something going on. And you know, we all know as as viewers of this movie that you know a lot of stuff gets revealed. But what I'm getting at here, if you're wondering where the hell Heidi's going with this, is what. World, do we think the teens live in? Like, is the spirituality at a certain point? Citizen, like, has a necklace and he, I think, he gives it a little kiss or something as this is all playing out. And so he belongs to something. And we believe it's maybe something that's worldwide is this worldwide thing is this a secret society or is this something the kids have some awareness or have you guys ever thought about that kind of thing it just sort of came up in my mind today
2: Hmm. yeah that's an interesting question and i've definitely never thought about it i don't i don't get the impression that the the world in general knows about the uh what did we decide they were called the ancient ones
0: Right,
2: right. Um, The ancient ones. Yeah, I don't get the impression that anybody else really knows about them. That's because, oh, I guess, um, I can't remember if it's, I think it's before this scene where they, uh, the security guard that works uh, uh, in the compound underground, and, you know, they have this whole back and forth where he's like, Have you been prepped? And have you been told that prepped is not the same as being prepared? Like, you know, like it's almost like he's been given this big secret briefing about it. But yeah, that's an interesting question is, yeah, they don't really dive outside of uh, Marty's you know, very outspoken kind of views on on the world. You don't really get anybody else's kind of religious ideas or or spirituality or anything like that, I don't think.
0: Yeah, so maybe it's a big behind-the-scenes... Yeah, I just started thinking, like, huh, maybe they don't know about... I mean, obviously, they don't know what's going on to them, but to what degree is this a secret? What did you think, Molly? Did that strike anything for you, or...? You got to think about it a little bit longer. Something maybe we could come back to on another time, or maybe other people can can weigh in on our in the cabin in the woods Facebook group. <laughs> I can't help but <laughs> say that name. So excited for the name of
1: Gabin in the woods. <laughs> it's, it's so awesome! It just seems like a bunch of old ladies like getting together and getting drunk and talking shit. Gabin
2: in the woods, <laughs>
1: squawking, squawking. I, you know, similarly, I think... And I I love the fact that you were thinking along these lines, because I like to think about that type of philosophy within a movie. and, And I think this is, you know, obviously really lends itself super well to that. I presume that... And I, and I feel like this is like a Kevin Smith moment of like, what about all the workers on the, on the Death Star, you know, like all these people, all these contractors, all these engineers, you know, who build these underground, you know, compounds, you know, somebody, you know, people obviously are connected and they know, and they're monitoring each other across the world. So I felt like there was a sense that this is a secret society and it's a big one. And one of the things that I read, you know, when I was doing research was that Druid said that each facility is its own thing with its own monsters, which kind of makes sense when you think that each facility is in a different culture. Uh, you think of like Russia and they have the Baba Yaga, which is a witch, you know, and in, in like pagan Russian culture. So we have, you know, different creatures that mean different things to different cultures in different places. So I have a sense that there is a, a connection. I did, you know, like that you brought up with citizen kind of kissing that necklace ornament, because these guys really do have that every man sort of sensibility with you know the white collared shirts and the ties, and it's just like dudes just going to work doing their thing, grabbing their coffee, talking shop, and then you have this like weird religious thing come out here we're we're doing we're also now a part of the ritual, and it seems a, almost a little you know out of place, but you know I think that's another you know intellectual conversation about what does the ritual mean to these guys cuz they're they're kind of like middle management in a sense they're you know not the top tier but they're also you know pulling the strings on it why is that important to them yeah and
0: they're always trying to kind of come back to a place of lightness and just goofing around and you know breaking the tension a lot too so it does uh, that little that little kiss that we'll get in a future minute mixes up
2: what that tone of that room has been so far, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, the other interesting thing to think about too, that I've, I've never really crossed my mind, but is, um, you know, this putting together kind of the details and looking at it in a larger perspective, this means that presumably every year there are like, 20 different events where a bunch of people either almost get killed or get brutally murdered. So, you know, maybe maybe there is some kind of, you know, even if if the reasoning and how it works is a secret, maybe there is something out there that one weekend out of every year, like, you know, people lock their doors and stay inside because they know, you know, they don't want to be picked. They don't want to be the ones who get, you know, involved in whatever crisis comes up that year or something. It's almost like that whole I don't know if either you've read about people talking about how um, Tarantino movies take place in a shared universe. And that because of, if you take that at, at face value, because of the way that uh, that Hitler and the Nazis were really spectacularly violently murdered in, *Inglorious bastards, that that created like this more kind of openly violent world that mm. Tarantino's movies exist in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me kind of think of that, but yeah, it's, it's weird to think about kind of how the rest of the world views this, Uh, annual maybe and i don't remember if they uh, specify if it's annual or not but it's obviously something that happens you know on some with some kind of regular basis
0: right so far we've gotten uh, actually a little nod to the thing because they say uh stockholm went south and Uh so something in stockholm went south and that that is supposedly a a a direct reference to the thing but (laughs) hey sweden (laughs) the Swedes
2: (laughs) those crazy Swedes
0: (laughs) those crazy Swedes um but uh I don't know if we exactly hear that it's once a year but we kind of get that idea back in 89 you know right right. this happened but out in the world in our lives would we notice you know if if the kids are living in a real world similar to ours would we notice if once a year a bunch of shit happened all over the world or would it just be you know part of the noise of everyday life and crazy things happening
2: yeah
1: well i don't know if you guys caught it but there was this and and i didn't read it thoroughly but i think it was cnn who had this thing about these this couple that cannibalized like 30 people and I think I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think I read that one. So that came yeah. up over the weekend. And okay. Yeah. And so there was, you know, that's a pretty hardcore news line, right? Like that's, that's not something I really see every day. And I was kind of like, wow. And I, and I did. And I had that moment of pause of like, wow, like there are, There are people out there in a different country who ate like 30 people and I'm getting that as news (laughs) over here and I'm, you know, and it seemed just, you know, like in that Walking Dead sort of way like, wow, that's just like a completely surreal reality, you know, and so I'm tying that to what you're saying and that here's something that's just really like off the chain that went through and I was like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. And then I continued to go in my line at Safeway, right. you know, and it didn't, right. you know, I didn't like, I didn't drop to my knees and go, dear God, why have these people been eaten? You know, <laughs> I just was like, wow, that's kind of messed up. And I moved along. So I have to wonder, you know, in that world, if there's a, a mass purging, to what degree are, are people desensitized and to what degree is that, you know, and and not to pull a Marty, but
2: How much of that is is PR buffed out for the general populace? Right. Well, and the other thing to think about with that, too, is like it would probably be more it'd be less noticeable. Like you said, I mean, stuff like we see that kind of horrible stuff in the newspapers every once in a while. It's not something you really think about a few months later. But on the other hand, of all the other cultures, uh, rituals that fail in this movie, like you think that would make big news like you know uh breaking news today a bunch of japanese school children defeated some sort of weird ghost creature
0: <laughs> <Right>.
2: <laughs> like that that would definitely be something that would you know you, you would remember probably
0: <laughs> yeah yeah or is it something so well well covered that that right. doesn't make it into the news cycle You know, it reminds me, I forget, I'm sure I heard about this on a podcast, but I forget the origin of this idea. So I apologize for whoever it is out there, or maybe you guys, this sounds familiar to you, but this idea that these movies and series like, say, The Walking Dead, as an example, are made for us so that we all get more accustomed to and are less shocked by these scenarios and possibilities so that when armageddon does come around <laughs> that we're more able to deal with it because we're, it's already sort of living in our culture so we're just sort of steeped in it is that something that sounds rings
2: familiar to either of you no it's an interesting idea but yeah it's a bit, ni- nice uh, marty conspiracy theory there but i haven't uh, i haven't heard that <laughs> one <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah it's probably like i said it's i listen to so many podcasts now that sometimes i have to stop and like remind myself where i find information because i get so many hours of interesting conversations passing from you know through my ear holes (laughs) so in this minute is there anything else we kind of we we leave well we get a little a little beefcake here right at the end which i do appreciate (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> They're right at the end here. <laughs> and I mean, let's get real. Like Holden knows that she's, she can see him, right? So is he like turnabout's fair play? Well, I don't know. Before she makes herself comfortable over there, I'm going to start disrobing in front of this mirror. So that's the last little thing we see. She puts down her stuff in her new room, which was Holden's room. She
2: turns around and, uh, bow, chicka, bow, bow. Yeah, I'm sad I'm missing the, uh, the lady boner segment of this (laughs) (laughs) The the wives bulge, if you will. The wives bulge.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) That's like a pub.
0: (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's, it's definitely pretty funny that, like, yeah, he's just like, oh, back to business. I'm gonna, you know, go ahead and get undressed over here and nothing's, nothing's amiss. No reason why that might be a weird thing to do immediately when I walk back into this room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe he's still got in his head that Jules said, you know, ten minutes. We're gonna be out there at the lake. Yeah. You know, he's uh, he's on a tight timeline. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think there's something, you know, we're talking about how he's a good guy and he's being, you know, his authentic self by letting letting her know, you know, hey, I, you know, don't get me wrong. It took me took me a little bit here before I let you know that I could see you disrobing is that that in itself has a bit of a a teasy sexuality kind of a thing going to it too? kind of well, there's something a little bit like I'm not a. I'm not a asexual, <laughs> like I'm just letting you know uh, uh even though Jules and uh, Kurt were kind of are trying to make this happen between us, like don't get me wrong you're uh you're here, I'm here, you're a woman, I'm a man, <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like him you know disrobing in front of her is is you know it's 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 an invitation,
2: mm. maybe so.
0: So, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about in this minute before we move on over to our Friday recommendations?
2: I didn't really have anything. I didn't. I didn't have a ton for this minute aside from just their kind of awkward flirting.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's all I had really. The only thing that I had in terms of a comment was Dana talking about how Jules is premed and you should probably go talk to her if you're <laughs> fake internally b- bleeding on the inside, <laughs> which is <laughs> you
2: know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally kills any of the uh the actual flirting right there yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's a bone killer faux show <laughs> uh but i thought it was also a, a a good comment because they're already setting it up that jules is the dumb blonde and they you know play a little marty's gonna bring this up a little bit later this is what I'm trying to say. So they're already setting up that, you know, Jules is probably a pretty smart, intelligent person if she's pre med So that's another, like, good, sneaky writing element that they have in here. A little little teaser that something's kind of amiss coming up
2: here. Yeah, that's true. They definitely play up that all of these people are more intelligent than kind of the um, the roles that they're playing in the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, right after we uh, bid Harper adieu... We're going to start to see how how things play out on that end and how the manipulation works and stuff. You kind of get the inner workings of what the guys are doing. Yeah, that was about all I had, too. A little bit about that shellcraft. <laughs> Look for my shellcrafts on Etsy soon.
1: <laughs> I feel that's like spycraft. But then it's like shellcraft, like you're a... An awesome KGB retired spy, but now you make little boxes <laughs> with shells and shit on them, faux bottoms or something. yeah, secret shell craft.
0: So yeah, so on Fridays, we like to take a moment to just talk about something else that we're all enjoying and just share that with everybody. i've I've appreciated that on other podcasts and been you know learned about new different things. so we thought we'd carry on that that tradition. and so um, Harper, what is it you'd like to
2: share today? Sure. So um, I thought I would share a book that I read a couple months ago that I thought um, your listeners in particular might enjoy. I would guess that most people that like Cabin in the Woods are, this is not like the only horror movie they like. They're probably pretty big into horror movies in general, just because the nature of the movie and how it kind of, you know, pays homage or obviously there's a, a great love for the history of horror movies in *Cabin in the Woods*. So, my recommendation is a book called *Shock Value* by Jason Zenoman. The full title is *Shock Value*. *Shock Value*: How a Few Eccentric Outsiders Gave Us Nightmares, Conquered Hollywood, and Invented Modern Horror. And it's just a really great nonfiction book um, where this guy kind of uh, goes through the kind of the history of modern horror, starting in like the the mid '70s. And kind of how how a lot of these directors like Wes Craven and John Carpenter and um, Dan O'Bannon and Roman Polanski and all, all those kind of folks kind of got their start and how kind of their early movies really reinvented the genre and and kind of ter- really turned the entire uh, movie industry on its head because these these movies that became franchises were like a totally new thing and you know were were, were movies that uh, had enormous success for a lot of failing studios that you know, wouldn't have lasted much longer without them. And in particular, you can almost read Shock Value as a biography of Dan O'Bannon, which is one of the like saddest and most fascinating stories in in Hollywood to me, just about somebody who is undeniably brilliant. I mean, you know, the person who basically, you know, came up with the idea for Alien and also, you know, directed uh, Return of the Living Dead and had a hand in, you know, a lot of other kind of interesting genre things and just how his kind of uh, spoiled relationship with John Carpenter after they did Dark Star together and uh, as they were finishing school and his kind of health problems turned into kind of ruined what could have been, you know, really, really. I mean, he he had an incredible career, but what it could have been, a, you know, massively important, I think. Dan O'Bannon could have been a household name in the same way John Carpenter is um, if things had gone a little better for him. And uh, the book definitely dives into that a lot. So it's if you like horror movies, it's a really, really fascinating read. I I sped through it, and really, really enjoyed it and, and learned a ton from it. So I would highly recommend it.
0: Sweet. That is just the kind of book that I like to read. And especially on a subject like that, I feel like If I'm watching the movies and watching the commentary and watching documentaries, then just reading books, too. Just all of that really helps me sort of see that lineage and remember it all a little bit better when I'm taking it in, you know, from the ears, the eyes and, you know, all that stuff, like reading it and seeing it visually on screen and all that stuff really helps solidify it in my memory. And I always appreciate that. That's that's a great recommendation. Thanks
1: Mm mm-hmm okay molly how about you since harper had recommended something that had a a strong history component i also have a kind of a a history buff tv show i really i mean i really enjoy history channel in general but i love reading biographies and um, i love to get historical context and my recommendation is versailles And you can see, I believe, the first season through Netflix, and then you can search around and it hasn't, the second season came out, I think it ended in May, um, because it's released um, in Europe first, but you could probably search around and get it for free, like I did, and download it all and potentially get a virus on your computer as a result, because... I could not wait. Uh Versailles is about Louis the 14th, um, who is the sun king who builds um for the palace of Versailles and basically it's palace intrigue. And so if you enjoy Vikings, if you enjoy the Tudors, uh Versailles is is along those lines and deals with his his ladies and his relationship with his brother, who is Philippe d'Orléans, and you know, their relationship being kind of rocky and you know cuz he's you know Philippe is first in line and then he has you know his wife who is also um sleeping with Louis and you know he also has a special man friend who he's very close to and who is the chevalier and that relationship and uh it's it's just fantastic and you know lavish costumes which I love the What is that movie dangerous liaisons Mm -hmm. um so it's similar in that way i was just kind of
0: thinking like
1: give, (laughs) give me a bit of a dangerous liaisons vibe here yeah yeah it's it's so good it's just like do you need intrigue and tna versailles there you go you know high production value but it's really it's it's fantastic yeah it sounds cool yeah definitely i
0: have not checked that out so another another good one Well, mine has to do with uh, a cabin in the woods. In fact, there's a few cabins, actually, that are revealed within this show. But um, I'll just backtrack a minute. So I occasionally listen to this one podcast called Real Crime Profile. And I say occasionally just because I I have to be in the mood to sort of take it in because it's it's a podcast that is um, hosted by... The casting director of Criminal Minds, but is also co-hosted by Jim Clementi, who's a, a an FBI former FBI profiler, and Laura Richards, who's a criminal behavioral analysis or analyst, pardon me, uh, formerly from Scotland Yard. So it they're really profiling real crimes and so i have to be kind of in the mood to be listening to things that are pretty dark that have to do with our our lives so that being said they are all really great hosts but i especially am sort of into jim and laura because they're the ones that really know their stuff Jim Clementi has written for and been a longtime consultant for Criminal Minds, and regardless of what you think of that show, I can kind of love it sometimes and then think it's absolutely ridiculous other times, but I, I've gotten to know a lot more about real crime through this podcast, Real Crime Profile, and Jim Clementi is friends, very good friends, with another profiler, and that is... Jim Fitzgerald. And so, what I am going to recommend is Manhunt colon, Unabomber. <laughs> it's a mini series that is on Netflix streaming right now. And I'm going to tell you what I liked about it. I liked that it actually reveals itself over the episodes to be quite empathetic and understanding of the Unabomber himself. You get his story. It starts out with some pretty substandard writing. (laughs) And (laughs) the first few episodes, I was actually making quite a few jokes while I was watching it. And um, it was created by Jim Clementi and a few other people but i knew that it was about jim's friend and and his friend jim fitzgerald who i've listened to on the podcast many times and the thing that i that i was drawn to was that i knew that it was going to be about the beginning of this forensic profiling that has all to do with uh, how people use language and how people you know write and so you know not handwriting analysis but literally how how he he was ultimately found out the Unabomber was through how he wrote and and so Jim Fitzgerald was the first person to really get this out there and and that's how they found him so if you can go get past some kind of cruddy writing in the first few episodes I I really recommend this as something where you're going to learn about this particular type of profiling and then as it deepens into the last couple of episodes, into the story of the Unabomber and his his life, his past, uh, and you get to know him, and there's just a, a nice balance of empathy between uh, Jim Fitzgerald and Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, so... So uh, and then Mark Duplass plays his brother, <laughs> which I just had to laugh because I love Mark Duplass and his his role is kind of funny. At a certain point, oh, this is a, just a funny little non spoiler. At a certain point, they deem that Ted Kaczynski is not the Unabomber, and he, Mark Duplass playing his brother is very excited about this. Because, oh, yay, my brother isn't the, the Unabomber. But the way he says it is, yay, Ted Kaczynski is not the Unabomber. It's <laughs> <That's> really silly. <laughs> and then later Ted Kaczynski is the Unabomber so yeah and also (laughs) like I I lived in Sacramento when this was going on if this is something that was happening you know a lot of this was happening locally here in in the East Bay and Sacramento area so so I kind of remember this this time Um, and when when this was all happening it was quite scary and intense and so yeah manhunt colon unabomber it's uh, i believe it was only like six or eight episodes so it's not super long but i do recommend it and there's some some very nice cabins in the woods in it too so there's (laughs) my that's how i tie it all together (laughs) sweet so, yeah, let's wrap this puppy up. It's Friday. Every time I say it's Friday, I just not go, it's Friday. You ain't got no job. <laughs> or whatever they say uh, the from the movie Friday, it just comes in. I, I, I should figure out the quote exactly so I can, like, say it. I'm going to get you high today. <laughs> but anyways, uh, let's wrap this up harper thank you so much for joining us Uh, i know it's been a long day for you so i want to get out of here and let you get a good night's sleep and uh, you know where to find us at cabinminutecast.com. and harper one more time anything you want to plug or anywhere you want to point people let's find out
2: now sure so yeah the my uh, again my movies by minutes podcast is uh on John Carpenter's The Thing and you can find all of that stuff under The Thing Minute so thethingminute.com and we're on Facebook and Twitter under the same name and um, I also write uh, movie reviews and things like that and podcast over at geekrex.com and then uh, if you are interested in any of the kind of audio stuff that I do professionally then um, all that stuff is over at harperwharris.com Awesome
1: Sweet Molly. So yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah, we need to, we need to leave. Yes, um we do. So, yeah, I I <laughs> I just wanted to second. Thank you so much Harper for being up very late. Harper is 3 hours ahead and is kicking the rooster in the ass right now after a very long day at work. So, thank you, thank you, thank you for for being here again and thank you guys for tuning in to episode 18 and we will see you back at the cabin.